0: So there was an ep- there was an article that talked about that interesting And i was like wait no it's frank not leopold <laughs> so i figured it was the wrong
1: i was hoping i was related to the uh the psychologist bf skinner but
2: no, nah, not that
0: prestigious I heard of that one.
2: <laughs> well we're live hello frank hi good afternoon everyone <laughs> it's in the front jen eh?
0: yeah it's not right? in the top
2: it's in the front it's in the front yeah oh,
0: okay slightly different
2: okay so here we are with jennifer lee interviewing frank skinner mm-hmm. frank would you like to introduce yourself
1: hi uh my name is frank skinner i'm a project director here at montgomery college uh working on the america's promise grant which is a uh, department of labor funded mm-hmm. grant so i'm excited to be here
0: and this is not your first big time grant right
1: no, uh, I don't know what we would define as big time, but... Uh, feels like a big time. Feels <laughs> like. It is.
0: The, it the is. amount alone just kind of screams big time.
1: Yeah, it's definitely um, a very uh, uh, interesting grant that we have. Um, it's a $5.6 million grant uh, from Department of Labor, mm. um, and it's focused on IT training. Uh, but we also, uh, as the Montgomery College team, collectively have received about $25 million in the last six years from Department of Labor. So uh we also have a tech hire grant, which is uh another four million dollar grant. <laughs> right. And we have uh or we did have a uh TACT grant, uh trade adjustment community college career training. It's a mm-hmm. mouthful, mm-hmm. uh which was a uh, fifteen million dollar grant. So that we are very excited to have that as well.
0: Wow. That's uh that's a long history. <laughs> yeah,
1: Doing big things at Montgomery College, so we're excited to tell the world.
0: Yeah, and not just at Montgomery College, too. I, I um, went to NOVA for a bit, and you were involved in some of the grants there as well. So it's not just Maryland. You've kind of worked in different states. And was it different different states or different? It wasn't different countries, right? It was different states inside the country. Yeah. So
1: uh, primarily we focus in sort of the DC metropolitan region. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did work for a time at Nova on uh, one of their TACT grants, um, which is a round two TACT grant. And uh, that was focused on uh, career navigation and IT training as well. Uh, And we had some national partners. That was sort of a a national grant. Uh, But for the most part, my my work uh, and career has been sort of focused on DC metro area because we have a a thriving IT scene mm. and a, uh, a very strong government contracting scene and uh, we're really trying to train workers for yeah. all those companies so
0: yeah and um, the last time that we were talking I remember you kind of provided the backdrop story of why there has been a need for um, job labor like developing job labor in the first place mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about that
1: sure so I uh, One of the things that we hear back from our business partners, and I think it's sort of a a national trend, is uh, companies decide whether or not they want to uh, locate in an area based upon the human capital that is available, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, in our case, uh, we
2: have… I'm I'm sorry, Frank. Could you use, like, small, normal words for people? Oh, human capital. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. Trained (laughs) workers. Uh, Trained (laughs) workers. Trained (laughs) workers. yes, yes.
1: That's sort of the, I guess, the human resources term. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, in our area, we're very fortunate, again, because of the federal government um, contracting and direct hiring uh, authority as well. Um, but we also have some really interesting uh, sort of educational institutions, right? So, for example, we have Johns Hopkins up in Baltimore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we have, uh, obviously, Amazon coming to yeah. uh, Crystal Northern Virginia. City. Yeah, Yeah, so we're excited about that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we... we, we uh, we are able to train workers for, for pretty much anything that the company's looking for. So yeah. if you're looking for project managers, we can do project managers. If you're looking for programmers, we can do programmers. Um, we sort of have uh, uh, our hand in everything here at uh, Montgomery College. We're right. excited about that.
0: And then we've this grant focuses on cybersecurity, data analytics, and web development using Java. Mm-hmm. And was that something that you guys or the team decided on based on the need for th- what was available in the job market or, you know, yeah. how did so that come
1: about? One of the things that's interesting to note is that um, all of our training programs are definitely driven by the data that we see in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at sort of the hiring trends, mm-hmm. um, even down to the specific job title um, that, you know, Department of Labor through the Bureau of Labor Statistics has provided. Um, we use other data, data analytics uh, uh Tools as well to sort of look what the uh, the hiring trends are going to be like in the next two, three, five, ten years. Um, so that was one of the ways that we sort of decided on those three tracks. Yeah. Um, because we did see um, what's very interesting is that uh, and this is a little wonky, but uh, at Department of Labor they are deciding uh, whether or not they're actually going to spit split, excuse me, their uh, programmer um, job title. Into two. So we have like a generalist and then a hmm. Java uh, programmer.
0: Wait, so is that like Java on one side and then every other language on the other side? Yes. 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 Whoa, okay. Just so. because there's been such a demand that Java's wow. killing you don't it that
1: much. Yes. They, yeah, they have to <laughs> differentiate to, to sort of split that out. Um, so, yes, yeah, oh. so that's, uh, I think, one of the ways that we've uh, sort of looked is sort where of the general marketplace. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've talked to our employer partners as well because um, yeah. we definitely have a, a strong relationship with the business community here and sort where of the uh, D.C. region, and, right. and we really want to keep our, our finger on the pulse of what they need. Um, so that's kind of how we looked at, uh, I think, those three tracks as well.
0: Oh, that's really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Good so, to know.
2: So if someone is sitting there saying, well, they're they're going to meetings, they're going to class – Uh, they're looking at what they see in the news and what they see in the news isn't java it's angular or -hmm. or something like that what do you what do you tell someone like that why you're focusing on java
1: so uh i think for those folks um one of the things to sort of be aware of is the fact that um you can i guess be a generalist or a specialist right um and you know, we definitely have courses that sort of teach an intro to programming, or we do teach Angular, or we do teach, uh, well, Tableau is the data analysis one. Mm-hmm. But um, we offer all those classes. Um, but for us, we did see the strongest demand for those languages. Mm-hmm. And we really want to be responsive to that. Um, but what's very interesting is that uh, sort of as a, um, a secondary benefit of these grants is we begin to learn. Uh, not only what the companies are looking for, but then also what our potential students are looking for. Um, So when we have students come in and they might be asking for Mm -hmm. those types of programs, um, we at uh, sort of the the workforce development side of the house can very easily spin up classes in um, whatever sort of niche technology or niche language we're looking for, Mm. uh, given the, uh, I guess, the appropriate demand, right? Um, And one of the ways that I'll, I'll sort of sort of, I guess, say that we did that at here at the college was uh, when we had our cyber grant, which is the grant previous to this one, uh, we were doing sort of entry-level, mid-level cyber, um, but we were also seeing that folks wanted the advanced cyber. So there's a, a certification, it's called CISSP, um, that for a while we didn't really think the demand was out there, uh, but what we started seeing was students coming in and asking, like, hey, you have a CISSP uh, boot camp to mm-hmm. sort of prep us for the uh, test? Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, very interesting for us at the college to sort of see that there was that demand in the marketplace. So uh, to answer the question.
0: quick, qu- Sorry. Sure. Quick question about the CISSP. Is that, is that like an industry standard certificate for cybersecurity?
1: It is. It okay. is. It, uh, it, it combines um, not only sort of the technical knowledge, but yeah. also the work-based experience. Okay. Um, so to be, eligible to even test for it, Mm -hmm. you have to have five years of experience within the industry. Oh, So you have to be able to document those uh, uh, five years and sort of your work uh, before you can even sit for the test. So that's why it's kind Mm -hmm. of one of those advanced level ones that uh, that the industry is looking for.
2: Mm. Now, over the time that you've worked on all of these grants on uh, labor grants, even um, have, what have you seen as far as the shift it seems like certifications are more important than they used to be, or at least are more recognized. Is that a trend that you've seen in reality, or is it just something they're talking about in the news?
1: Um, so definitely certifications are uh, very, very important in sort of whatever industry you're talking about, um, increasingly so in, in the IT world, because <clears throat> uh, we have students that might be coming out of, say, a four-year institution, um, but you know, I'm not sure what their school taught versus another school And so there's no standardization of curriculum across, Mm -hmm. say, higher educational institutions, right? Um, And so what the certifications do is they provide that uh, standardization, that sort of benchmark of knowledge. So if you come out of your college and I come out of mine and we test and we both get the certification, then it sort of gives the industry confidence as to our level of knowledge um, needed to do those tasks. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, where... uh, certification piece comes in as well um, and you know obviously there's new certs coming online with yeah. all the new different technologies but we definitely try to train folks for um, those very in-demand certs so what we do is as I said earlier kind of cull through uh, workforce data we actually look at the keywords uh, in recruitment announcements so that we can make sure that we're getting recruitment students that announcements. Yes. Where,
0: where do you, where do you find these recruitment announcements like um, on LinkedIn data?
1: Yeah. So we uh, have actually a, uh, a neat tool. Um, uh, there's one called burning glass. There's another called MZ and you can go online. Um, the, the version that we use here at the college is called career coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what it does is it sort of scrapes um, all the various mm-hmm. job boards. Okay. So like Indeed, career builder, right. Um, Clearjobs.com, all those different uh, job boards um, to sort of get an aggregate picture of what uh, careers or what um, new positions are coming online.
2: That's I, I had no idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a, well, So it's a great tool. Um, if you haven't uh, checked it out, you go to our uh, Montgomery College homepage and mm-hmm. you kind of scroll down at the bottom. Um, it's called Career Coach. It's free to everyone. That's um, good and to what's know. very Neat about it is that it uh, has sort of a front end uh, portion that allows the user to look at potential careers that they might be suited for, right? And so they have uh, a short version of the test and a long version. So they got the six-six questionnaire, uh, six-item questionnaire, and they got the sixty-item questionnaire. (laughs) And uh, the more time you spend with it and sort of dig down into sort of what your interests are, what your strengths are. Then goes out and looks for those types of positions that you would sort of most be, I guess, matched or aligned with, and uh, it's it's very interesting. I'm going to be a landscape architect at some point in my life, so you know I'm going to start prepping for that now.
0: Like you, Frank, or just an example? It was was an example because (laughs) uh, so, and
1: it's sort of funny, but it is uh, an example where um, it sort of takes that uh, that precision of, you know, being an architect, but then also sort of the creativeness of sort of working in the natural world. Yeah. And that's sort of what it's almost like a Myers-Briggs yeah, sort of yeah. test. Mm-hmm. Um, so landscape arcs, architect is what I'm going to be doing in my next uh, my next career, so stay tuned. <laughs>
0: that the reason I was kind of taken aback and I wasn't sure if you were joking or not is because you you studied criminology and you worked with or you trained lawyers and now you're here in adult education so i feel like you had a very interesting trek coming here and i i did google you and i saw that you had like statistical modeling a mm-hmm. uh, bit as well so you're not completely new to you know some of the softwares that we use here like python we don't use r here but are you familiar with r Yeah. So my
1: uh, my my uh, work in that uh, was many moons ago, so I'm probably not uh, up on the latest technology uh, personally. But um, yeah, so I did come from uh, the criminal justice world. Um, That was the the work that I did in my graduate work. Mm. Um, I looked at a lot of uh, sentencing data around sort of uh, uh, gun violence in the eastern shore of Maryland and and figuring out sort of what the best interventions are to prevent folks from uh, doing those types of things that's um, really cool. Yeah. Uh, remember we
2: were talking about the shore. yeah so is there a lot of gun violence in the eastern shore?
1: Per capita, there used to be. Yes. Um but one of the things that we've noticed is that if you bump uh cases up to the circuit court and give folks a mandatory 5 years for gun crimes, they uh they tend not to uh do those again. <laughs> Cuz uh, I think they, they might learn 5 years is a long time to be uh incapacitated so uh, or they're uh, just away so they can't that, do well, it anyway that's the other piece they're, they're just away so uh, and it, it sends a message to other folks too that uh, that's probably not the uh, road to take in life um but yeah so i I, yeah, I came from that's really cool yeah the criminal division over at uh, department of justice which is the um the division where all the prosecutors across the country uh, uh come from so we have the computer crime section we had the asset forfeiture section we had the fraud public integrity all these different sections uh and what our role at the training center uh was is to actually provide um training on uh topics of interest to those different uh, attorneys right mm-hmm. so we were talking about you know what's the best way to prosecute a money money laundering case
0: mm-hmm.
1: or um what are some of the current trends in drug use and what does that look like at the local level? Right. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we did a lot of training on that and, uh, I, I took that and also went to the, um, nonprofit world, the research world, sort of the think tank world and, uh, and looked at some of those, uh, other sort of areas of interest. Right. So, uh, gun violence, we definitely looked at uh, domestic violence and, and sort of figuring out the best way to prosecute those crimes as well. Cause what we really wanted to do and, and, you're right. My my career's kind of taken me uh across mm-hmm. various uh uh worlds, but uh the, the the theme, the common theme that sort of runs through it is that giving adults uh, and professionals that continuing education that they need to be they very need. efficient yeah. and successful in their work. So that's mm-hmm. sort of where my career's kind of taken me I'm very excited.
0: So you've had a lot of practice kind of being able to access assess what the need is and then tailoring the education to that need. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still get to, in your current position, do you still get to talk to a lot of students and get feedback from them? Or has that been changed over the years?
1: So I love to talk to our students because um, mm-hmm. I really like to hear sort of their experiences in mm-hmm. our training. Because um, we really listen to our students and their feedback in order to sort of uh, improve our training as mm-hmm. the, the grant or the program moves on. Because um, we, we don't just stick to one track you know if we hear from students they need something else or if there might be a better way mm-hmm. we're always willing to um you know sort of amend the training to uh help them with their needs mm-hmm. so yes i love to talk to students i don't get to talk to them as much as i'd like to but uh for the most part um the students i think have been very happy with the training and uh gonna have a lot of new faces coming out into the it industry world from our training so we're Very proud about that.
0: Yeah. Well, my hope is that people that have taken this boot camp or are considering it um, or are currently taking it uh, would be the target audience for this episode, uh, this podcast in general. Um, So to people who are currently in it or have taken it in the past, what kind of feedback do you find most helpful for you to kind of, you know, edify whatever is going on? Mm
1: -hmm. So. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. So so some of the feedback that we've definitely gotten is um, students really like the component where we work with them on their resume and their job hunting skills, right? Um, That's something that students, I think, have found very valuable um, in sort of really tailoring their resume to their dream career, Mm -hmm. right? And that's one of the things I I try to tell students when I come and introduce myself during the first week is that, um, you know, Think about what your ideal job in the future is going to be, right? Um, where do you want to work? You know, What's the company? What's the industry? Mm. Um, what's the position, right? And sort of envision that in your mind as you're going through this training as the end goal, and we will do our best to help you get there, right? And so the more feedback that you can give us, um, the better we can serve you, right? So if, uh, one of the things we've definitely uh, spoken to students about is, uh, tailoring your resume rather than having sort of a, a, a boilerplate or sort mm-hmm. of blanket resume. Yeah. Um, that's been very successful. Um, something else is definitely uh, taking the certification exams in close temporal proximity mm-hmm. uh, to you completing the course of study because mm-hmm. um, I've actually done that myself. Mm-hmm. where I have uh, taken a, uh, a training course, mm-hmm. waited a little bit too long, Test changed, and then I uh, took oh, a test. The that the test changed. Yes, that's, I wasn't prepared for. That's a good point. So I learned the hard way, and I'm going to try to help our students steer clear of that uh, that folly. Um, so that's that's been something that we've really heard students say is that they want um, to be able to take those tests, and, and that's something we've also talked about. Is again in those first couple of days, really thinking about. Um, Scheduling your your certification exam, because mm-hmm. then it gives you, it, it holds you kind of accountable to yourself that, uh, you know, once yeah. I'm done, yeah. I'm and, ready to take it.
0: And I think as a past student myself, it kind of gets, you're already in the momentum of doing something nine to five coding. You're in that mindset. So I think, I think what I found most encouraging when I was trying to plan out taking this AWS certification exam was finding someone to study it with so i was lucky enough to uh be able to start the aws courses here at montgomery college um but and then i had a classmate in that class who kind of kept me accountable and like we, you know we would share resources and stuff but i think it'd be nice to i don't know how this would be i think it'd be nice for um there to be a place for like people that have taken the boot camp that are planning to take the exam, to talk about you know, how it's been going for them, when they're planning on taking it, what the resources they've gathered so far, because I think the way it's set up, um, it's just kind of like, here are the resources, and then the studying is up to you, and that momentum can get lost. Um, so have you seen any success cases in the past?
1: Definitely the cohort model mm-hmm. um which I think you've sort of referenced where you have a, a, a group of students that you um attend class with yeah. every day nine to five or yeah. eight weeks um and and you kind of learn each other's strengths um you know you help each other out as yeah. you're your testing you uh you definitely need to um lean on each other as you're, you're moving through these courses of study because they are very challenging, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes it can seem like, oh, I'm the only person that's, you know, struggling with this problem. But if you do talk to fellow students, you're going to probably find out that they're struggling with the same thing as well. So if you can help each other out, um, that, that's great. Because another thing that we tell students uh, very early on is that look around uh, in your class these are going to be your future colleagues, mm-hmm. right? So you, one of your sort of professional reputation starts now, yeah. And yep. you know, these are folks that can potentially give you job leads, or yep. might be your supervisor one day. Yep. Um, but definitely, you know, lean on uh, your fellow classmates because uh, we've also seen that you know one of the ways that that individuals learn is mm-hmm. being able to teach others, right? Yeah. So you know, you kind of don't fully master the material until you're able to convey it to someone else so that also could be a way that yeah that Mm -hmm. you can sort of uh up your knowledge level is by trying to help others and Mm -hmm. it's just a nice thing to do helping each other out that's uh just kind of a
2: general life rule yeah I, i i can certainly say that two of my closest uh my best uh professional contacts are two guys i met like the second week of school my freshman year uh one of them was a friend and ended up becoming my roommate the other one i couldn't stand at all However, we've known each other for 30 years at this point, and um, who knew? And I guess if I had been meaner to Phil, then we would be friends <laughs> name now. Name drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mention, you know, the last name Tucker, but, <laughs> but, um, but you, you never know. And, and like you said, that when I think of someone and I need someone with these particular strengths, I know that that's a that's a Greg situation, yeah. and I need someone with these other particular set of strengths. That's a Phil situation, yeah. and I I have no problem at all calling them and saying I need help with X, Y, and Z, and mm-hmm. they do the same with me. Um, so I mean, you, you're kind of being given that uh, that not just a cohort, I guess, uh, co- not colleagues. What's the word? I think.
0: I think colleagues
2: and colleagues that you wouldn't have had otherwise, and you know, school time travels differently yeah. than other time. Yeah, and even regular school, you're not together all day every day. Yeah, for that amount of time.
0: Yeah, after after eight to ten weeks, you really get to know their working style, their personality really well. Yeah,
2: nobody can be on their best behavior for
1: that. Long. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, you know, it is a term boot camp, right? So right. you know, you're you're training the next platoon of uh, IT professionals, and you, mm-hmm. you really do get to learn, again, sort of their personalities. Um, and one of the things that, that I found very uh, interesting is that when I've presented to the classes and, and given students the opportunity to sort of give us a little bit of background, yeah. uh, the background that students have uh, really kind of makes me feel a little bit embarrassed about my background because we just have such strong yeah. students coming from a mm-hmm. variety of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We have folks coming from you know, the health IT back yep. world, finance, government service, um, you know, just teaching.
0: Latest just one that I've heard um, was like biochemistry PhD or yeah. cancer biology. It sounds like it's pretty alone. amazing. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah.
1: And uh, well, right, because data analytics sort of cuts mm-hmm. across almost every yeah. uh, industry, right? And uh, the students are, are again, we're sort of very, very strong students and we're very, lucky to have them in our class because one of the things we do know is that um, there's a variety of training providers that folks can go to for um, this type of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for for my av- value, I think that we provide sort of the best value for the students uh, in terms of uh, getting the training. Um, one of the reasons also is that this training is a tuition-free uh, training for our students uh, as long as the grant is uh, yeah. in operation. So. Yeah can't get better than that. Um, (laughs) But even after that, and even with our other classes, uh, Montgomery College and community college in general, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely offer high quality training for uh, reasonable rates. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've, um, I think, striven for uh, at the college is keeping costs down. Mm -hmm. And again, sort of maintaining that rigor and that industry responsiveness um, in all all that we do. So we're...
0: So from the industry side, is the reaction uh, to the candidates that we send out, is it pretty, do they react 50-50? Are they pretty happy with the standard that we have set for ourselves Definitely.
1: Yeah. So one of the key components of this program is um, we have convened a a business industry and leadership team, Mm -hmm. um, sort of our business advisory council, right? Is
0: that the tech council?
1: Yes. So we do work with Maryland uh, Tech Council. They are sort of the uh, the technology affinity group for Maryland and the surrounding region as uh-huh. well. Um, and they have, I believe it's over 600 different uh, partners, um, business, business partners mm-hmm. that they can reach out to. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is pull together a core group, about a dozen uh, industry leading uh, business partners um, to give us that direct feedback. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the areas that they've given us feedback on is recruitment, mm-hmm. right? Because
0: sorry, just to clarify, is this is the from the education side? Is it just Montgomery College, or are, are there other local colleges/slash community colleges that are involved?
1: Yeah, so uh, for for my particular program, mm. uh, we also have a partnership with Frederick Community College and okay. Prince George's Community College as All well. Right. So we're we're about a, a three uh, three college consortium. Um, on the previous grant, we actually had uh, almost all the community colleges in Maryland. Okay. Um, and it was very, very useful uh, to be able to sort of speak with that one voice mm-hmm. that, you know, this is what the community college system in Maryland is doing. Yeah. And then taking that uh, feedback that we've gotten from our business partners. Yeah. And giving all the colleges that information. Yeah. So that they can sort of better prepare their students. Gotcha. Um, so this business uh, industry leadership uh, council that we have. Mm-hmm. um is looking at a couple areas. One's recruitment, right? Because, uh, you know, we, we talked to some of the C-suite folks, some of the executives, um, but we also have the human resource uh, recruiting managers mm-hmm. giving us their sort of uh, direct experience of, mm-hmm. you know, what it is to sort of recruit for these positions. Because mm-hmm. what we're trying to do, actually, is lower the overhead for mm-hmm. companies uh, for onboarding these students, right? So if they look to us as sort of their first uh I guess, resource for recruiting, it can really cut down on um, the overhead that it takes to, you know, bring a new person on board. So that's what we're trying to help our, our, uh, our business partners with. Um, two, we're also looking at, like, career pathways within companies because, mm-hmm. again, you know, uh, one of the reasons I think that folks uh, seek out particular companies is sort of the advancement potential. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> if these business folks can sort of tell us, um, you know, how do you rise? There are the
0: ways the that you can branch out.
1: Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, how, you know, continuing professional, uh, development at their organization yeah. is something that's very important for our students. Um, we also look at like internships as well, because we do know that, um, we have some, uh, students that are going to be recent graduates mm-hmm. and they kind of want to get that work-based learning. Mm-hmm. In. Um, and so internships is, is also something that's very important. And, uh, we also have sort of, I guess we call it, areas of interest, Um, one of them being, like, security clearances, right? Um, Because we know and sort of... That's pretty
0: big around this area. Yeah. Just a little Just a little.
1: Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, No, so, yeah, definitely security clearances. Um, You know, we, again, have sort of a couple large government agencies, which uh, we will not name on this, but they know who they are, and they're probably listening. Um, But uh, (laughs) they, you know, obviously require security clearances and Uh sort of the contractors that work with them requires And again, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you need to have the super duper top secret special compartmentalized uh, you know, clearance. Is
2: is that an actual clearance? <laughs> super duper, I super so. duper top secret. SD. Yeah.
1: T. Secret. Yeah, secret squirrel uh, squirrel. you know, level Z. But uh, I mean, you know, we we also have, you know, sort of the the run-of-the-mill public trust where you know if you're going to be dealing with say social security numbers right Mm -hmm. potentially that could be an area where folks if they didn't you know mind their p's and q's could run into some issues right so uh what we want to do is sort of give our students uh, although we cannot give them clearances give them information about sort of what it takes to get a clearance right or what Mm -hmm. the process looks like um so that they can sort of decide if that's uh, an area that they want to pursue yeah. Um, cause one of the things we've also seen is that, uh, when you have a clearance, it's about a 20% uh, increase in your salary. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can have a, a programmer at say a, just a private company. Uh, but say you have a, a programmer with a security clearance, they'll make about 20% more than the, the other programmer. So it's a very valuable credential. if You want to call it that to have, um, but it does have sort of a lot of responsibility attached to it. So that's something we want to let our students know so they can really make that decision themselves.
0: And it takes a really long time, right? It can. It can.
1: Um, So what's very, I think, uh, interesting about some of the work that we've done here uh, in the state of Maryland um, is we've really been able to come to the table uh, to a lot of high-level meetings, right? And... um, You know, when we sort of talk about the world of security clearances, right? Um, We've spoken with, again, some of those three-letter agencies. And because of that, uh, that that exact feedback that, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, if it takes six months to get someone through a clearance, well, then a private sector uh, company might come and snatch that person. Um, Those agencies have actually instituted, in in some respects, um, what's called a direct hire authority, right? Where they can sort of do an expedited hiring process Um, obviously, you know, all following government procedure, but um, getting folks that sort of expedited clearance, right? So uh, in a a previous project that I worked on, we had someone that needed to get a uh, a TS or a top-secret clearance. Uh, It took about two weeks. Uh, Wow. um, Yeah, so because they really needed this person, you know, yesterday, and uh, the the organization sort of pushed that clearance through, uh, granted it, you know, Still followed, (coughs) excuse me, all the the same uh, security clearance processes of other uh, uh, cleared individuals. It just was at a uh, more expedited rate.
0: Wow. I don't know much about clearance, but that seems like a very fast time and an exception to a lot of the other stories that I've heard up until now.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's a talk to your third grade. English teacher and, you know, your your neighbor from 50 years ago, yeah. all those uh, those folks that you've forgotten
2: about, um, they'll be contacting.
0: Uh, Just kidding. True. I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, did no, have know. But, no, but some Can't of those.
2: Do? I got contacted for a neighbor's, a former neighbor's actual clearance. And we me had too. we had been social, but it's not like we were best of friends or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the person who was talking to me about him, she was there for an hour and a half. I was like, wow. I was like, so how long do you talk to like bosses or ex-husbands or wives or or you know, stuff like that for? Is like mine it didn't was very take intensive. that long.
0: Mine was like thirty minutes.
2: They <laughs> I I guess I didn't know how the process worked or <laughs> I was too truthful or I don't know. They asked questions like, uh, is so and so bad with money? I was like, Oh no, he's not the one that's bad with money. Oh really? So tell us about how bad his wife is with money. It's like, Oh god, did I just screw it up oh. for him? Yeah, it was that kind of thing. So they would but they they would leap on every little thing and dig down Mm -hmm. and then they'd ask a question like, uh, do you know what other people, you know, they've associated with or the people they've associated with and who are international or from a foreign country or what have you. And then they'd circle back, Well, what about so and so? We we understand that they're from Morocco (laughs) and I was like, Okay, I I was in that circle. I had no idea so and so was from Morocco. (laughs) It's like uh am I in trouble now? (laughs) But I mean, you know, you want them to be complete.
1: So it it makes sense.
0: And
1: it's funny you should mention the, um, the the finance issue is that, because that's kind of, uh, I think probably one of the top one or two reasons that folks uh, might not get a clearance Um, because what the adjudicators are looking for is, you know, your ability to be exploited, right? So if you're heavily in debt, you know, you might be more susceptible to somebody you know, giving you money to give them information. Um, and, you know, along those same lines uh, is paying your student loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, a, a, that's a given, right? You have to pay your federal student loans. Um, but a lot of folks, uh, you know, might have missed a payment here or there. If you're truthful with your investigator, that that's great. But at the same time, you know, you really want to sort of pay those student loans because um, that's, I think, another reason that folks might not get a clearance as well.
2: And, and and I get it, you want people who would pay their bills, but at the same time, what is the likelihood you would betray your country to pay off a student loan?
1: Well, it starts small. <laughs> okay. I'll give you, you know, a thousand dollars. Can you give me this <coughs> phone number? And then it sort of bills from there. I'm no espionage
2: expert, but uh I But you are a, a criminologist.
1: There you go, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. You have to stay on Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So Frank, um, you are you're kind of the second tier go to person from the students' perspective, right? So we have the career navigators, Marsha and Sean, who help us on the ground level. They're the one that helps us with um, resume writing and kind of you know figuring out the next plan after the boot camp is over. But you have uh, you know a bird's eye view of the need and. You know, what's going on i like i like the term that you used about like keeping your finger in the market flow or something it was something keeping some expression yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like on the pulse um so for a lot of the people for a lot of the students coming to this boot camp um some have been away from the job field for a while and they're coming back or they're transitioning from a different field that they've been in for a long time or have just gotten started and want to try new things um, so, obviously, the cost of attendance is a hurdle that we can remove from, for them. But what other hurdles did you did the program seek out to remove for a lot of the people that we're trying to train here?
1: Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> that's a very good point. Um, you know, we do have two very capable career navigators that, that really are sort of the students' uh, uh, go-to uh, persons. Um, for kind of like day to day stuff, mm. um, and what we we try to have the students do is uh, in the first week or so fill out what's called a individualized career plan, yeah. right? And that career plan looks at again sort of your strengths, your interests, but then also obstacles uh, that might uh, might be in the way of you being successful, right? Mm-hmm. So that could be say childcare issues or um, transportation issues mm. or, you know, possibly maybe not having, uh, a fast enough internet connection at home or a technology to practice away from the classroom. Mm. Um, so those are what we would term, um, supportive services. Yeah. So we, uh, are actually looking at, um, how we can help students along those lines, um, you know, with, with you know, transportation assistance, right? right. If you can't get to class, you can't be successful. Um, so there's a number of different um, areas that we're looking at uh, providing students uh, assistance with mm-hmm. um, because we do, again, sort of want to remove as many barriers as we can mm-hmm. and really make sure that the students, uh, you know, feel confident in themselves and feel confident in their ability to be successful in the, in the grant. And, you know, if you don't have to worry about, say, you know, uh, Metro cards or whatever, you know, you can really devote your time to uh, the, the coursework itself. Because um, sure. again, it's 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 a very rigorous um, yep. course, very various curriculum, and you know you really need to devote sort of all your your mental energy, your focus to mastering that material.
0: Mm-hmm. So the more information they put in, not just the academic and the professional stuff, but just the more information they give, the more it gives Marsha and John to work with. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And, okay. And and you know it, it, we we talk about some you know personal issues, you know kind of larger ones such as childcare, transportation, but it could be something like uh, public speaking. You know, I don't feel very confident in being able to present to you know a large group of folks. Um, that would be something we would need to work on because obviously when you interview, you know, you need to be able to present yourself well, right? And you need mm-hmm. to feel confident. In, uh, in your ability to sort of communicate the skills that you have and, and the value that you have for a potential employer yeah so you know again it's not these necessarily these these larger sort of issues it could be something like that you know where you know I need a little bit more practice and in, in, you know just giving uh, presentations so again those are definitely a lot of the issues that we see uh, for our students and you know we really want to help them in, in whatever way we can because um, the other thing is that uh, we don't only have sort of the resources of the grant to be able to help students. Uh, we also have the resources of um, some of our, our partners uh, across the county. Mm-hmm. So if we look at, say, the the Housing Opportunities Commission or we look at the uh, work, work Source Montgomery, which is kind of the, the work, workforce development agency uh, for the county, um, you know, there's a number of different agencies that we actually have sort of personal relationships with mm-hmm. that we can refer our students to. Uh, again, so that they can best be served by you know whatever organization can
2: provide that support for them.
0: That's good to know. I I didn't realize you guys had very far-reaching hands. But.
2: And, and it's really important for people to be honest. We, yeah. we had a student. We didn't find out until he, his second boot camp, in fact, that he was homeless. Oh, wow. but he didn't. He didn't want anybody to know. He right. was ashamed, which you can perfectly right. understand. Mm-hmm. But there was resources that were available, but he mm. didn't. He didn't let us know so we couldn't help him mm-hmm. yeah and again you know we we're here to help
1: so you know the more open and honest a student can be with some of the struggles that they have you know we really can sort of uh, tailor our approach and, and definitely help them out in the best way that we can and in, in that student's particular uh, circumstance you know we do know uh, of some I guess uh, housing assistance uh, agencies that you know, are here in the county that we would have directed them to if they had only uh, let us know so you know the, the bottom line is just, uh, you know, be honest, even though it might be a little bit painful, um, it'll be, uh, sort of to hmm. your uh, advantage in the, in the long run.
0: That's, that might be something that I will try to stress the next time. Cause it oftentimes it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's this piece of document that we have to complete. And the reason why it's important not, is not being stressed enough. So I will keep this in mind when I, um, not without sharing that story, I'll keep it in mind while I'm asking people to fill up their ICP so that Marsha and Sean can work. Thank you. Um, that would be great. Yeah.
1: It, well, because it gives us, you know, um, a little bit more background when we uh, sort of do our first meetings with the students. Yeah. So we kind of know sort of yeah. where they're coming from and, you know, how we can help best. And,
2: and, and if I can, I, I know you didn't mean anything by it, but just to be clear, the um, the work of the career navigators isn't kind of basic ultimately getting people's jobs is the whole point Mm -hmm. um so it's just as fundamental as the the teachers and everyone else Mm -hmm. um so I just wanted to and I know you know that I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they 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 don't just help with the resumes they help you figure out how to talk about your experience in a way Mm -hmm. um that's conducive to getting you a job and even helping you to know which ones to apply for yeah and what's your thing about the three jobs
1: Oh yeah so uh, one of the sort of uh, sort of mantras that we used to have uh, when we work with the veteran population because we uh, in some previous projects had worked with transitioning veterans um, and sort of what we tried to stress to them is that you can use your your military skills, your military background to get you know civilian work and the uh, the, the mantra again that we use is called uh, first job, good job, great job right <laughs> So you know, we can help you get your first job. Right. And it might not necessarily be, you know, your dream career, but as yeah. a, as a family sustaining, uh, job that is, you know, helping you pay the bills and helping you build experience to then getting a good job, which is something that really something that gets you out of bed in the morning, you know, something that you really, you know, look forward to and, and really can sort of put, uh, to use all the skills that you have. And then obviously we want to get folks, their great jobs, right? So in my instance, that would be a a, a taste tester at a, a chocolate chip cookie factory. Um, you know, I, I can do quality assurance for that if anybody's listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that that's something that we, we try to tell our students is that, you know, we can get you that first, first job, job. We can get you a good job. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, ultimately get you on that trajectory to get that great job. Yeah.
0: Dang. I like that mantra.
2: Feel free to use
0: it. <laughs> first job. Good job. Great job.
2: And then you're less uh anxious and less desperate at each step so you already yeah. have a job yeah. so i can take the time mm. to look for something that fits me better and then when you get that one then you're just sitting there cherry picking <laughs> waiting for santa's job to come available and it's like because i want to work in the north pole and i yeah. want to work with elves
0: and so, you don't have to worry about providing while you're looking for a job right, that you exactly. really want yeah
1: and again you know one of the things that we've noticed that with our students is that they have these amazing backgrounds And, you know, sometimes they might downplay it. Like, oh, you know, I just have a PhD in molecular biology. That's, (laughs) like, not that big a deal. Um, And it's like, no, that's, like, really rare. Like, that's very important to put on there. Yeah, but I don't think so. Um, You know, part of our role is to help students um, sort of market themselves to potential employers and really sort of uh, bring to the forefront all the strengths that they have, almost acting as like a cheerleader, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because we talked earlier about sort of the ongoing support that we give our students. You know, sometimes you just might need someone to talk to, you know. Maybe you know, you're just tired from uh, a commute and it's kind of wearing you down and you need someone to give you a little uh, bit of positive feedback. That's something that, that we really like to do for our students, again, to sort of bolster their self-confidence because we are getting some really, really strong candidates through the program. And uh, we want to make sure the students know that they are they are valued and they are themselves very, very strong in terms of the skills that they bring to the industry and that, uh, you know, they they can be choosy at times, you know, really looking for those those positions that fit them. Um, yeah. Depending on the yeah. individual And um,
0: Kind of going back to what you were talking about, AJ, I worked with Marsha and she was very, I was one of the, um, well, I came from a public health background, so I would say, well, I did this, but it doesn't really relate to what I'm trying to go into now, um, but she was the one who was like, wait, wait, hang on, let's just go through it one at a time. Um, why is this not a valuable asset moving forward? So she kind of helped me um, frame the skills that I had to match the ones that I was trying to develop. And yeah, so they are kind of like your cheerleaders going forward. Um, so yeah, they do work um, mainly in terms of like encouragement throughout the boot camp. And then once the boot camp ends, I think that's when both the student, like the student has the mindset to say, okay, I'm done with the learning part. Now it's the job seeking part. And then they kind of pick up on that, you know, difference in priority, I guess. And then they, yeah, they're great. Um,
2: And if I may, you were talking about all these really great candidates. We're seeing a lot of people with public health backgrounds. Oh, yeah. And, And I was talking about this with Joy, another one of our teachers on Friday. And I think part of the reason why is... People who work in public health are used to thinking systemically. So there's the individual people and there's also the neighborhoods and there's the population as a whole, God forbid the world, because then you're talking about an epidemic. And they're also used to things not having simple solutions, that there's multiple factors that go into causing any issue, Yep. which is basically coding, except you're just doing it with people.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I first went into my public, one of my public health courses, it was about ethics um, and my, my biggest complaint slash frustration was, but w- like, there's no answer. And that r- class really helped me kind of break away from this physical science mindset that I had coming into into college. So yeah, it, it, maybe that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. So we should but be
2: focusing only <laughs> on public health students yeah, moving forward. Students. <laughs> exactly. Well, they,
1: they bring, you know, strengths. They talk about, you know, systems integration, creative problem solving so there are a lot of things that again folks probably do you know just part of their daily job and they don't really think like how it can apply but that's part of our job is to help you look at what you do and really kind of match what you do to the the skills that are needed for the job that you want and uh again it's it's us kind of also thinking a little bit creatively about how we can communicate those those skills that you've had
0: yeah is it uh are we out of time? Sort of. Sort of. I had, I had one last question. Um, so when we were talking the last time, I think you mentioned that the business incentives to get more Maryland college graduates, or co- college slash community college graduates, um, that has been increasing. Is that still the case? And, yes. you know, what can we as prospective students take away from that?
1: Mm-hmm. So. As part of the grant, we have the career navigators, which really help with our students. Mm-hmm. But what we also have is a job developer, uh, whose uh, role it is to work with companies um, to sort of get their requirements right. So he acts as sort of that liaison between the the industry and us uh, at the college. Um, but one of the things that that he can bring is uh, looking at uh, sort of the recruiting process holistically, in the sense that what incentives are out there for companies, uh, hiring our types of students. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm very proud of is the fact that, uh, on our previous grant, uh, where we sort of worked with all the community colleges within the state, um, we had a seat at the table when it came time to write legislation for, right. uh, companies, um, looking to onboard, uh, in this instance, it was cyber, uh, students, but, in the first, I guess, iteration of the bill that, that then became law, um, it only spoke to four year institutions, right? But because we did have sort of this group of community colleges mm-hmm. that are doing work that was mm-hmm. on par with them, and in some instances, you know, I won't say speak badly about four year schools, but superseding them, right? Um, mm-hmm. In the next uh, writing of the bill, they included community colleges. And I think uh, one of the the very strong uh, proponents of that was Dr. Pollard, who's our president. Um, Her testimony really did sort of help lawmakers understand that community colleges are providing uh, high-quality training and, again, getting folks that come out uh, with the hands-on experience, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Again, sort of not downplaying the four-year institutions, Mm -hmm. but... At community colleges, right, our history was almost as uh, technical training institutions. So we train, you know, technicians, <laughs> folks that yeah. actually can do the work, right? Um, and so that's something that I think is, is a strength of ours. Mm. And we were very happy to uh, sort of work with our, our uh, lawmakers and get that bill passed where there are certain incentives for companies that recruit from not only Maryland four-year schools but Maryland community colleges um, again, to sort of uh, uh, reduce the barriers it would be uh, for a company to onboard somebody. Yeah. So we try to help offset that cost as well.
0: That sounds awesome. I think that's a great note to end the podcast on. Um, thank you so much, Frank. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The,
1: the bottom line is uh, we're open for business. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Thank you.